Hey, George, I heard you're trying to make this movie more appealing to the younglings, as you put them. Uh, how do you plan to do that? Um... Like that. Well, <laughs> we'll try our best. Yeah, I'll have to practice that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Inciting Moment podcast, and uh, we're here with a very special episode in which, uh, much like how last year for May of the 4th, we discussed the Disney sequel trilogy, um, we are now, in a late fashion, of course, but, you know, better late than never, discussing the prequel trilogy, the magnum opus of uh, Sir George Lucas, and I'm just going to come out and say it right off the bat. I didn't fully enjoy my time. Spoilers. <laughs> For a good spoilers. This, this, is the, of this is the intro. Do not spoil it. Wrong, wise, slander. slander. You loved it. You loved it. <sighs> Don't lie to us. I'll, I'll admit that I loved it in areas. I loved it in areas, but I cannot say that it was... Flawless. <laughs> Don't lie to me. I know you got a George Lucas uh, body pillow. <laughs> you popped off the moment the first text scroll went for three minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell yeah. Trade embargoes. Woo! What's exposition? Am I right, homies? But anyway, hi. I'm Sam, and I like movies that appeal to all ages and sizes, even the younglings. Even the younglings. <laughs> and well, Harrison. Um, <laughs> hi Harrison. Hi, hi Harrison. Star hi. Wars aficionado hi. and worshiper. Oh yeah, you 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 absolutely love Star Wars, right? Oh, I love I love it. I love how goofy the character names are. He loves train wrecks. Yeah. What's your favorite ma- name in Star Wars? Then? Skipo Pipo. Skipo Pipo. That. <laughs> is that the one that destroyed the Death Star? Skipo Pipo Skywalker. <laughs> is that Jesus the one? <laughs> Uh, you, no, no, no. He comes up later. Don't worry. He's gonna get a spinoff TV show. <laughs> Everyone's twelve episodes. It it's gonna be an epic. I'm I'm surprised there hasn't been a um, uh, like a Spinal Tap esque sort of documentary on Max Rebo and his Cantina band. <laughs> Max Rebo, if you've forgotten, is um the Blue Elephant Man in Return of the Jedi. We all know him. No, they can't discuss Biff music. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Not allowed. Actually, it's not Biff music, it's, um, jizz. Yes, and that's the problem. <laughs> Imagine trying to put on Disney Plus in full, bold font. Jizz. Historia. Jizz. Indeed. Next year of jazz and riz. Jeez. Well, you have to remember, like, somewhere down the line, George sat there and said, okay, I need to have this um, very, uh, very space sci-fi sounding version of jazz. Because it's really jazz. But, like, what what, what do I call it? But know? it's made by the Bith. They don't use the letter A. They use the letter I. Mm. Right. How, what do I call <gasps> Jizz. Humans <laughs> love jizzing with it. <laughs> They're getting jizzy with it? Jizzy with it. Is that what you're implying? They're getting jizzy with it? Yes. Like, just like I was with the Phantom Menace. I, I am not a commentator. I am a translator for George Lucas's grand design. <laughs> and 
us jizzing with it is part of his design. We're supposed to jizz with the movie. This is uh, this 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 is our um, this is our uh, jizz session. He wants people tune in, people. He wants the people jizzing in the theaters, in the streets, in the temples. He wants us jizzing everywhere. And I'm sorry, I have to be the one to say it. Oh, it's just true. Oh wow. <laughs> anyway, back on top to the prequels. <laughs> yes, um, there's three of them apparently. There, there are three of them, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and it's got to start somewhere, right? One is bloated, the other is boring, and the other one is okay. Now, we'll let you know which order that goes in. Right. Just okay for the Phantom Menace? Just okay? Not a masterpiece? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the one I was talking about. Um, so, for those of you tuning in, uh, if you've likely noticed, uh, things sound a little different. It's like we're in the same room or something. Well, that's because this is also a, for a first time ever... On the podcast, a in-person recording session. We are experimenting with meeting people. Yes, <laughs> yes. Physically, it's terrifying. I've met. I've I've never met these people in real life before. They they've just been voices on the other end of a computer for a while. And between you and me, viewer, they're hideous. <laughs> <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Listen, uh, I haven't recovered from inviting that bear into my recording studio like a year and a half ago. Wasn't that the second time, too? Yes. <laughs> hey, you think bear mullings take a, a short time to heal? Have you seen the revenue? <laughs> oh, that's true. We're not all yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio here. And I mean, Cocaine Bear, that just came out. That did. It, it, they're still getting worse. Haven't watched it? Don't care. If I, I, want, if I want anything to do with cocaine, I'll wait till the weekend. The, you the can only, watch the prequels. Yeah. The only moderately entertaining part that I've heard is that apparently the CGI on the Cocaine Bear in question, um, it's the same CG company as Avatar. <laughs> Incredible. Wait, wait. Wait, wait, yeah, no. The, the same the last yeah. Avatar live action? No, Blue Monkey or, People. Avatar. Okay, Blue that, Monkey People. That's impressive. That Avatar. Yes. Yes, that but, Avatar. Ring back to our topic today, CG will be a very important talking point for all of the movies. Yes. yes. And speaking of which, we like I said, we gotta start somewhere. Phantom Menace. Yes. Ian, general thoughts before you get into specifics. I think we already have an idea. You've kind of spoiled it. Uh, Yes. Now, before going into that, just to preface, like, just just remind yourselves. Yes, this is a Star Wars movie. And because of how things are right now, with Disney pumping out Star Wars like No Tomorrow, it's a fucking cattle hooked up to a milk machine, basically. That's tied to a dead horse. Yes. <laughs> um, and they're beating all three, baby. Something to preface is that when The Phantom Menace came out. This is long before Disney ever entered the picture, right? Mm -hmm. This is when it was still 20th Century Fox. This is still when George had Lucasfilm all to himself. You know, he still called the shots. And there had not been a Star Wars film since 1983. This is also when all the like <clears throat> EU Extended Universe books were all canon too, right? Yeah, right, right. This is after that has gotten some traction and has sort of revitalized Star Wars, not just as a set of movies, but a franchise. You know, there's been a, quite a few games by this point. 
A lot of people have been waiting for these to come out. Um, and by this point, they've also gotten a taste of like what to expect with the special editions, which came out um, two years prior to The Phantom Menace. Yep. Uh, versions of films that, keep in mind, were meant to bridge the gap between the original trilogy and this new set of films. Yeah. With the enhancements, the CGI, which even then really only was the case in A New Hope. But, mm-hmm. I mean... Changing some still. lasers here and there. Changing some lasers, making certain characters blink, because apparently George didn't like that. Because that's what was really missing and keeping it from making it seem like they're in the same universe, the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. But anywho, 1999, Phantom Menace comes out. First one in a while. This is supposed to show the story of Anakin Skywalker becoming Darth Vader, or at least be the first chapter of it. Yep. And uh, for those who haven't seen The Phantom Menace, which if you haven't, lucky you. Um, <laughs> you've seen it via memes. Yes, you've likely seen the memes. Um, and I would argue that the memes are probably better, but I'll get to that. Um, so this takes place, I forget the timeline, but a while back. Obi-Wan Kenobi, the man that would go on to train Luke Skywalker, is a Padawan currently. He is going to the planet Naboo with his master, Qui-Gon Jinn, to talk about trade delegations with the uh, Trade Federation and the uh, issues of trade embargoes. A lot of trade going on in this movie. A lot of diplomacy. (laughs) Yes. It's all about diplomacy. And uh, turns out a shady figure who looks strikingly similar to the Emperor from the original trilogy. It's Darth Sidious. Totally different person, obviously. Darth Sidious. Who? The best... Sith Lord Dark Sidious, clearly not evil in the slightest. Yeah, right next to his uh his homie Darth Mauler of Children, who <laughs> looks like a Devil Man. <laughs> yes, Crybaby. Dude, Devil Man's great. I don't think we can review Devil Man though. Maybe. I mean, we'll find out. But shady guy really wants the Queen of Naboo to sign a peace treaty for his grand scheme, and um. Well, 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 things just kind of unfold. But I, to start somewhere, uh, going back to what I was talking about, um, not the greatest start for the first Star Wars film in, like, two decades <laughs> at all. I think that's where I'm going to start. This is a, uh, this is a, a jumbled mess. And if I had to pinpoint my general thoughts... It is a film that is, in areas, okay. Um, I like how this film is the most practical of the three prequels, because if you'll notice, uh, digital technology was booming in the 2000s, and George wanted to jump on that as soon as possible. I feel the malice directed at the second movie with that. Yes, because The Phantom Menace for being the first one in a mainly digital age trilogy. Uh, it is the most practical in that there are still actual alien prosthetic costumes. There are still actual locations that these scenes take place in. And 
there are still attempts at sort of taking the practical effects work that was in the original trilogy, and keep in mind that's a lot of work that to this day, for the most part, still holds up. Yep. Um. But, oh, and 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 of course, it's the only, uh, one of the three films to actually be shot on physical film stock, which really only applies to the film nerds, but personally, I, I, I think it immediately sets it apart from the other two because it just looks generally better. <laughs> because the other two films, as we'll get into, they were using very infantile uh, technology at the time. SD cards. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like the other two... I don't want to get too much into it because I'll discuss yes, it when so we actually get to those two films. The technicalities when they come but out. those were still on like digital cassette, like very primitive sort of digital technology. But you know we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, otherwise, when it comes to the story, writing, characters, stuff like that, um, wow, <laughs> I I don't I, I've seen varied reactions of when fans went to the theaters in 1999 to see the Phantom Menace. Many of them were excited for it. Many of them said, oh, I, it was everything I hoped it to be. But then, like, you see the crowd that went back for, like, a second or third time, and they're like, well, wait a sec, what's, what's going on? <laughs> I, I don't, wait. Ian, I have a quick This feels question. different. <laughs> what actually happens in The Phantom Menace? If you can sum, oh, a better way to word this, if you can sum up the plot of The Phantom Menace in... One sentence. Can you? No. I was about to say, this better not be like a German run-on sentence that goes for like 50 commas. No. Well, it would have to be. It would have to be, because the amount of stuff that happens in this movie that ultimately amounts to nothing by the end of it, it's, it's amazing. To pinpoint my issue with this film, it is a film that is trying... So much, and yet none of it is done well. It is the George Lucas equivalent of Hideo Kojima doing Sons of Liberty, Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, except whereas Kojima was onto something and some of the writing was actually compelling, George has the writing capabilities of a 10-year-old. Okay, whoa. Before we start ripping into it, what are the positives? There's always something good, even in the shit. No, no, all right. I know exactly what it is. I'm going to bring it up. Amygdala's fashion runway. The whole movie is basically just Padme showing off her designer outfits that she changes every single scene. Oh, yeah. Camera pans, full new outfit. Every scene was a story with an outfit. Gets on a ship. One outfit. Ship lands, different outfit. Oh, absolutely. It was comical. <laughs> it was literally a thematic I mean, for the movie. It's amazing costume work. Yeah. And and I, it's interesting because George, when it came to the original trilogy, he was saying in some behind-the-scenes stuff of this film, he was saying that he intentionally tried not to go into too much detail on like the fashion of Star Wars because he's like, well, that's not the focus. But because he's dealing with characters who are in positions of royalty, he's like, well, now now not only do I feel like I should, I'm actually, like, driven to, like, try and, and, and put my hand 
into that. And, you know, we'll talk more about fashion and Attack of the Clones, because Padme, it, she, she's got some conflicting feelings, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, so in terms of positives of the movie, and I'll just make a quick little list. Um, I mean, yeah. the, the positives here are going to be positives for any really Star Wars. The set design, the yeah. creativity that goes into it. You know, you could tell that there's people actually gave a shit. <clears throat> for the most part. Yeah. You know? Um, set design's good. Costume's good. Action. Pretty yeah. decent when it's there. Inconsistent in this first movie, but it would will get better in the, the sequels to come. Yeah. Sure. Darth Maul fight up until the part with the plasma gates. Because I feel the fight's great say. until it hits that part. Yeah, if we can if we can discuss action because there's some there's some little things about it that I like but also don't like. Uh, one thing I don't like is that when it comes to the Jedi characters uh, chopping up the battle droids, which one thing I will say is that compared to stormtroopers and stuff like that, I, I like the approach of using machinery uh, as like the main like grunt units and stuff it like that. It makes sense from the director's perspective, because if it's going to be a more kid-like movie, do you want to see people going, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, grand inconsistence, because we get some, we get some people being chopped up. Uh, we do. Um, but speaking of chopped up, I think where the action fell flat for me is when the Jedi characters had to, uh, pretend that they're chopping up, uh, battle droids, because just the choreography of the droids themselves and where they're blocked and and like um placed in the action sequence and how they're just basically standing still and not really doing anything of like you know backing up or, or getting out of the way you can tell that like george was just telling liam neeson and, and ewan mcgregor to just chop at nothing they, they didn't have anything they had physical you know props of the battle droids that they knew what they looked like but this is not, you know, like, per se, how the original trilogy would have handled it, where they may have been some kind of animatronic or puppet. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're completely CG. It's like, uh, if you've seen the newer set of Jurassic Park movies, what they do for some of the scenes where there's, like, dinosaurs and crowds of people is they tell all the people to panic and run, and then they just put a dinosaur in that fits where everyone's fleeing. Yes. It feels like that. But yeah. instead of doing it that way... You just kind of go, all right, they're swinging at this spot. I'll just have a guy standing there the entire scene. Hey, just just swing and flip. <laughs> just go absolutely apeshit, you, and just start chopping that motherfucker up. <laughs> Where are they? I don't know. You're going to have to get them. Yeah. Um, but when the action's good, namely with the lightsaber choreography, I, I genuinely think it's pretty all right. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get into the thing that I don't like about the prequels in regards to action choreography, which is they just tap the swords and not actually try attacking each other. There's only two instances that I saw in the Darth Maul duel, for example, where I saw that, where any other time it seemed like they were actually fighting. It's good choreography. There's a few cases where it's a little goofy or ridiculous or... And I would also agree that it is still over-choreographed, over-stylized yeah. to where it doesn't feel like a fight in certain areas. But yeah. when it's frantic, it's good. When it's like, you know, high-octane energy with the choreography, it's good. And a lot of that, I would like to point out, props to Ray Park as uh, Darth Maul. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. he, he absolutely 
delivers on that. Yeah, and I, like, I guess uh, from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the action, it's, it's like you said, with it being overly choreographed, it looks more like a dance. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of problems you'll see in like Asian action films, where yeah. it's just so choreographed. You're like, this looks like they practiced this fight beforehand. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I mean, it, it granted a style all its own. Yeah, and for the most part, it works, and it's it, relatively consistent throughout the trilogy. Mm-hmm. But I would agree. Sometimes when you know there's nothing there, it almost like takes it away. It does. And for a lot of the actors. They look, it's just, you know, you know, you look at them, it's like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. this doesn't feel like a life or death, and I don't know where one of them dies, and they're just like, no, <laughs> no, no, but, um, I mean, positives, though, you come on, Ian, you gotta have some positives, I know you said a couple well, things, I is mean, there anything specific that you would look at this, and you're like, well, yes, yes, if there is one thing that all three of these films have in common, and I would say that The Phantom Menace in particular really delivers on it, it is that the action sequences are greatly supported by the just amazing sound work, both in the design and the mixing. Yeah, mm-hmm. It is phenomenal. And I especially enjoyed the lightsaber duel when it came to that. I enjoyed the blaster shootouts that would happen and stuff like that. The directionality of everything, because, I mean... Where we're sitting, we watched it on the sound system we have, and it was fantastic. The directionality and whatnot, top notch. Mm-hmm. Um, same as any Star Wars film should be, unless you're Rise of Skywalker, where it really didn't matter because it was kind of subpar at best. <clears throat> Anywho, um, and I mean, still talking about action, I, I won't deny you, fellas. I absolutely adore the pod race. <laughs> I I love it almost entirely because it becomes an entirely different movie, and I'm okay with that. It's weird. It's like the movie feels like several different movies. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's like you're watching this boring, slow, political drama, and that turns into Fast and Furious for like 10 minutes, and then goes back to being a slow, boring, political drama. Yes. And yeah, I think we can just start ripping into it now. At this point, I mean, my major problems are, like you guys said, the inconsistency of the film in general. Yeah. Oh, it's just, not only are they, it's it's fast-paced, then it's slow-paced, it's fast-paced, it's slow-paced, it's fast-paced, it's slow-paced. And th- my main problem with the first one in particular, it's not really too much of a problem in the second or third one, even though it's still there, yeah. is, like, a lot of the line delivery from the actors. Like, you yeah. know if they just went that little extra step to actually add fucking emotion <laughs> into it, it would have been... Actually, pretty good. But a lot of, like, yeah. you know, oh, shit, we're getting shot at. It turns into, we're getting shot at. It's like, now this is pod racing. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why. There's so many memes about the Phantom Menace. When I saw the memes in the movie, I'm like, they don't hit as hard. No, they don't. It's I mean, they don't hit as hard because you just mean, hear but... the audio now instead of the subtitle. And the subtitle, you're like, full emphasis. Yeah, you, you feel, you, you put the emotion behind it, but the... I don't know, and I, like I said, I don't blame the actors. I think I really blame George Lucas and his direction or what he's giving them. Yeah. Because it, it feels like the actor delivers the line and they get hit with a spray bottle as George Lucas is like, more stoic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone's just too stoic. Well, you also have to keep in mind, like, a lot of these actors, some of them are pretty well-established. Liam Neeson, by this point, has yeah, been doing pretty all right. This is also one of Natalie Portman's earlier... You know, yeah, films, 
And I think she's an okay actress. Yeah. Like, no doubt about it. And she did what she could with what she got. But you also have to just put yourself into the perspective of these actors. They have to speak on all of this weird mumbo-jumbo jargon. And, like, talk about trade embargoes and delegations and Senate votes. And, like, if you are not given the reason why they need to be talking about it and why they're talking about it, which I am certain George did not do and just said his usual faster and more intense approach to direction. You have become the equivalent of a child that has not learned to swim and you are being tossed in the deep end without floaties. (laughs) That's what it feels like. No floaties, script writing. (laughs) So... The, the amount of times that I felt so bad for Natalie in particular, because I felt like in this movie she was struggling the most. Yeah. I, I cannot doubt in my mind that there were times where she's like in between line readings and she just looks over at George. Why? Like, what, 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 what do I do? Like, what that's Oh, better yet, no. I feel like Jake Lloyd had that. Jake yeah. Lloyd, the kid playing Anakin. Oh, God. His life is fucked. Are His you life an is angel? <laughs> Are you an angel? <laughs> God, no. The, okay, that's you know, my, that's my, my, that is my least favorite part of this movie. This movie, besides being inconsistent and just eh, mediocre for the most part, makes me uncomfortable. The grooming. Yes. The grooming. The child actors interacting with each other. The, oh, love at first sight when he's, his age is on the clock. Uh, <laughs> Harrison, can you do me a favor? Can you like look up how old Jake Lloyd was? When yeah, he yeah, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. the the and some story things too. Midi chlorians, stupidest fucking thing. In my yeah, opinion, the, the writing and the story are easily the two absolute worst things. Not only about the Phantom Menace, but I honestly think one of the biggest problems with the trilogy as a whole. So it has better times. So but don't get me wrong. Jake Lloyd is born on March fifth of nineteen eighty nine. Phantom Menace was released in nineteen ninety nine. So accounting for filming, this would mean that during filming times he would have been. Um, Eight or nine? Yeah, no. Fuck that. Fuck your prophecy. Fuck that shit. Don't He's eight gross. or nine, and if gross. I'm not mistaken, Natalie Portman was like 14, 15. Natalie Portman herself. One second. It's loading. Sometimes it loads quickly, sometimes it doesn't. That's fine, but honestly, just. that's When a movie makes me uncomfortable like that, that's when I'm. Kind of shuts off the meme factor for me. You 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 cringe half the time with mm-hmm. the dialogue. It's just that bad. And the problem is, is that it's the kind of writing where it has to explain how characters are feeling, and mm-hmm. and, and and what they're thinking because, for whatever reason, they just don't think about showing, not telling. I mean, it's a visual medium for a reason. And the unfortunate thing is that the original trilogy had so many cases of showing, not telling. And they were some of the best parts. I mean, the one that sticks out is when Luke is facing a dark side vision of Darth Vader in Dagobah, and he chops off the, like, vision's head, and when his helmet blows up, it shows his face in the Mm -hmm. helmet, showing that if he's not careful, if he lets himself go, he could be just like Vader. Mm -hmm. I mean, that kind of shit is... mm, It's amazing. And then here, it's like... None of that's there. And I'm, I'm, I'm just 
Also reminding people that also a lot of those really good moments from the original trilogy were not written by George. They were written by much more talented writers that mm-hmm. actually knew, like, okay, I see what you're doing, George. I see what you want to do here. This is how we can do it. And he's like, ah, oh, yes, very good. Uh, you you do that. Mm-hmm. It's a case of when we were, that tried to be, that not even tried to be. It's, I would usually put it in a so bad it's good. But it can't even do that. It's no. just bad. Hey, Ian. It's just so dull. Mm-hmm. It's even worse than I thought. Wait, what do you mean? So Natalie Portman was born in 1981. Okay. All right? Which oh, meant God. that during filming... She's like 18. The movie, yeah. Wait, what? She, she would have been 18. Oh, God. Oh, ew, Gross. Okay, we're going to sum it up. She's 10 years older than him. Well, well before we sum it up, I, I, I do want to just touch on one big thing. Because with this being a, a prequel, it does come into question of, okay, this is taking several years before the original trilogy. How does it bridge the gap? How does it expand on the universe? Or does it maybe expand too much to where it takes away from the universe. Because one thing I don't like is how the Jedi Order is established in this time. There's a lot of stuff that is very different from how they were established in the original trilogy. In the original trilogy, they were, you know, shown off as compassionate. They were do-gooders. They, you know, put, you know, themselves in, 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 in the line of fire and stuff like that. And here... Throughout the trilogy, they seem so reluctant to do anything that doesn't exclusively fall within their dogma, their teachings, their ideals. You know what is willing to throw itself in the line of fire in all of the trilogies, and it keeps showing it, and it's honestly funny that they're viewed like this and almost like in this idyllic sense? What's that? The droids. Yeah. You get what you pay for with the droids. Yeah, that's true. Like, Actually, there's an entire scene of all of the R2 units just sacrificing themselves. Oh, to I save know! The I felt so bad the, the, the droids even... The weird, the weird part is how emotional and how almost characterized the droids are as these bumbling idiots. they just idiots. kill them! Like, like no hesitation! Oh, oh, robots, bro, they're fine. Not only how the droids are characterized, but I realized that the best performances and the most character you get from any character in this movie are... The characters that are entirely digital or yeah, they're the not aliens. human. The aliens. Because they, they have, were in a recording booth with a much better voice director, most likely. Yeah, yeah. They, they actually have put some George Lucas is just But, so I mean, are the good things this movie? Yes. The setting and what will become the more consistent, like, almost like uh, the style. Yeah. Artistic style, CGI style, all that stuff is it's good. Say what you want about George. He's got a creativity for that stuff. I actually think some of the CGI holds up better in The Phantom Menace than it does in Attack of the Clones. Yes, but I still don't like CGI. I know what scene you're already talking about when you say that. I (laughs) I see it in my mind. Well, see, I think what maybe helped The Phantom Menace is because the movie was shot on an actual film stock, which tends to be, like, slightly more blurry than digital footage. Mm Mm-hmm. It was a little easier to, to match the CG to mm-hmm. hide it, to hide the imperfections. Whereas when you go to Attack of the Clones, because things have more definition and are sharper than, say, film, it sticks out a lot more. Because they, they don't have the celluloid layer of, like, all the chemical processing on top of it, you know. Um, which I 
I think it should also be brought up that um, a rather infamous inclusion that many people went on to, um, I'd say despise for a while, is a, uh, is a little uh, character by the name of uh, Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar, let's go! We, I, I think we should talk about Jar Jar. What, what, what did we think of Jar Jar? Dude, he is the Phantom Menace. <laughs> Got him. Um, yeah. I don't know. He's just annoying. He's a cartoon character in a live action movie. That's the big problem that I have with him. And the only time that he's actually like semi utilized okay is when he actually is clumsy or he does something slapstick related, like in the final battle where he gets that battle droid stuck on his foot. And every time he moves his foot, it causes the battle droid to shoot other droids. Wait. Like that. That was funny to me, and I'm like, okay, you got one out of me, movie. <laughs> like, everything Jar Jar does just helps Palpatine. Yes. That's it. We got the Alex Jones in the corner talking about Darth uh, <laughs> the Jar Jar Darth here. Jar Jar. No, no, like, every single thing he's done has just helped Palpatine. Oh, yeah. What, what did George Lucas mean by this? He leads the, the Gungan forces, gets them all captured. <laughs> he, uh, he was exiled from the Gungan city and then led the, them to the Gungan city. Look, you're starting to make sense, and I don't like that. But, in summary, if this was any other movie franchise, especially nowadays, and all- this was your start... It would be over. Dead on arrival. That, Dead yes. on arrival. But since it was Star Wars, since it was a different time period in human history. <laughs> and it had also been like just under two decades since the last movie came out. There was a bit of hype behind it. I mean, it's the same and, thing with The Force Awakens. Yeah. I saw that like three times because, you know, I thought it was an amazing start and I just was starved of decent Star Wars for yeah. a while. If it was anything else, it would have stopped here. But because yep. it was Star Wars, it kept going. If you want the equivalent of The Phantom Menace for a different sci-fi series that immediately died on its release, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Yes. Valerian said, uh, also, if you want something with a you know an- another start to a cinematic universe in general, it'd also be uh, Mummy. Where they try to do the yeah. Universal Monsters. Oh, I forgot about that. So those are other equivalents of The Phantom Menace if you are interested in awful movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of awful and uncomfortable movies, there's two more of them. Yes. And uh, begun the Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. So Attack of the Clones, ladies and gentlemen. This takes place... I don't even care how many years after The Phantom Menace. I just... Whatever. Don't worry, Ian. I have it pulled up right here. It takes place a whopping... Ten years. The transition between... Which means that from the first movie, Padme is now 24. Yes. And Anakin is now 19. Just barely legal. Just barely legal. Coincidence? (laughs) So, I mean, the transition between movies is almost as bad as transitions. It's just in Phantom Menace. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, it's 10 years later. Boom! Let's everything start. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I will exactly. say it's a little easier to explain what is going on because by the end of Phantom Menace, it was very clear that there was some uh, political uh, muddling when it came to the 
uh, Republic in the fact that Palpatine was working behind the scenes. Palpatine being the new, the newly appointed Chancellor of the New Republic of the Senate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Who may or may not be the shady guy that was trying to get Queen Amidala to sign the treaty? He who doesn't knows? do much to hide it. No, he no, doesn't. No, not really. Oh he my just God. throws a cloak over his fucking face. No, he does not do much to hide it, and he is dropping red flags left and right in all of these movies. Uh, but anyway, um, Padme is having more and more assassinations come up. And is putting her life at risk. So Anakin has to go with her to protect her and watch over her. Meanwhile, Obi-Wan is going to uh, investigate uh, the involvement of a bounty hunter that has sources go back to a planet known as Kamino, where he is then told that there is a clone army being made for the forces of the Republic. And right around the corner is when the alleged Clone Wars are about to begin. Trademark. Yes. So, general thoughts about this movie for me. Half of it, pretty okay. Yep. And that's the part with Obi-Wan going to Kamino. Yes. All that stuff, pretty decent. Yep. Not gonna lie. And then there's everything else. (laughs) Yes. And... I'm just gonna get some positives out of the way. Right. Hayden Christian as Anakin. Honestly, good choice. I liked him. Yes. Again, it's the problem with directing and everything else. Is he perfect? Fuck no. But I think I, I know he's got a little bit of Shakespearean background who's acting and kind of comes through. Yeah. In a perfect world with a better script and a better director, Each he could have fucking rocked it. Yeah. As is, he gets the cringy love plot. Yep. Yes. Which is, yeah. And the writing trappings that make him come across as a, um, just brat. Mm-hmm. If I had to describe Anakin and how this is supposed to be his big, like, start to his fall to the dark side, um, not handled very well. I will say one thing. I'm surprised that the trilogy did not start where Attack of the Clones started. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. Because it's around this point where it's established, oh, Anakin's been trained by Obi-Wan because Qui-Gon died and Qui-Gon, his dying wish was Obi-Wan. Hey, train Anakin to be a Jedi. He is the chosen one. The problem is, is that in between The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, way too much time went by. Mm-hmm. So we did not get a very good idea of what their relationship is, except yes. for what's talked about. And that, my friend, is not good enough. <laughs> no, not at really at all. all. It's like, hey, Anakin, remember that extended universe thing we did? Yeah, that was a wild time, buddy. And it's like, wow, that sounds really cool. I wish we got that. Oh, yes, Anakin. And remember those feels- books? It feels like that time that I went to see Fast 9 without watching any of the other Fast and Furious movies. Jesus Christ, what a way to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I mean, now they're in space. space. Yeah. Something's, all I got to really know is something, something family, you're good. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But the one positive, though, for me with this movie is the more over-the-top Star Wars names in this one. Yes. We yeah. have lovable names like Zam Weasel, <laughs> which is the first bounty hunter. 
uh-huh. gets killed by the poison dart. Yep, yep, yep. Yes. Yeah, and then Dexter Jetster. Dexter Jester? You're f- Dexter Jetster. Jetster. Yes. Jetster with two T's. He's the owner of a 1950s style diner. Because apparently the 50s happened in (laughs) Star Wars. And he can identify poison darts. And he's like, oh, this is a Kamino Saber dart. Could it be anything else? Thanks, random stranger. (laughs) Um, You know what, though? Just another quick little general positive about the movie is... Hayden Christensen and Ian McGregor do actually have a pretty good chemistry together. Oh, they do. As, like, friends. Like, you could feel there's a friendship there. I didn't feel it in this one, though. It's, it's, I felt it's, it's more Revenge of the Sith. It's, yeah, it's more evident in the next one, but you get a couple... You get a little of a hint to it, and it's... It's okay. Yes. It's way better in the next one, but yes. at least it's there. You don't feel like they're complete strangers. Right. You know? But... God... Damn, big negative is how they, he wants to portray Aiden Christensen's character of Anakin, like you were saying, as a brat. They don't yeah. trust me. My master just doesn't understand, man. Well, because the implication for why Anakin is, like, sort of going down that path is, you know, he lost his mom. Which I will say, one scene that I got, you know, I was like, oh, that's that's too bad. I, I, I actually felt... A slight modicum of something is when his mom dies. However, the problem is, is that immediately following that scene, he has the infamous, I killed the women and the children too scene, where he's literally saying, someday I'll be the strongest Jedi that ever lived, and I'll keep people from dying. You know what makes it, though... It's great emotional scene, all this kind of stuff, but what makes it just fall on its face is this sort of scene would work if there wasn't a 10-year time skip, yes. right? Because the whole thing is he couldn't save his mother because he was one month late. There was 10 years you had right. to save her. And the problem is that it's just not enough. I mean, it, it gets there. It sort of scratches at the surface, but it does not... It doesn't do enough. They also named her Shmi. Shmi. <laughs> Wait, Peter Pan? The, se- the second command of Captain Hook? Shmi? Yeah. Um, <laughs> how did you feel about... Because uh, another big thing that ties the prequel trilogy back to the original trilogy is that we have the father of Boba Fett, that being Jango Fett. Dude, I love Jango Fett. He is pretty cool. Right, and him being the template for the clone army and stuff like that. I think it's great, honestly. I I think it is. I love the entire clone plotline. Bingo. That's the part of the movie I like? brain waves, my friend. It's like a fantastic movie about making genetic copies of the same guy and the ethics of it to combat a robot army, and then it cuts to this soppy pseudo-love story, then it Ugh. goes back to the cool sci-fi war. Right? Yes. That's that's the thing. Half this movie, if they made it the whole freaking thing, would have been awesome. Different little thematic and story ideas that are done infinitely better and actually explored in depth in either TV shows or books. Or video games. Yeah. Or video games, yeah. 
And the thing is, is that, you know, you can say, oh, yeah, the, the Clone Wars show, it, like, redeemed the prequels. It doesn't make the prequels any better. But it just took, you know, about the prequels. But here's and actually did something good with it. funny about it. Right. you bring up the Clone Wars show. Ian, what part does the Clone Wars show focus on? Uh, in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And it focuses exclusively on the clones. Well, not exclusively. Not exclusively, but, I mean, but you know what I mean when I say they that. Get, they actually get characterized. Yeah. In the it shows. talks more about the clones and all that kind of stuff relating to them as opposed to the sappy love story nonsense. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's touching on what's agreed as the good part. Yeah. Yes. It I doesn't mean, redeem the bad part. And to be honest with everybody here, I watched Tech of the Clones twice before doing this whole podcast. And I've heard a lot of negative things about it. Most of them are true, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But honestly, really focusing on the other half and just thinking about it, I, there's a lot of good to it compared to at least to Phantom Menace. By God. <laughs> um, is it perfect? No, and I'm, I'm a little bit biased because my twin and I, we always love clones. We're like, you know, they're just like us. We're clones, you know? He's so I'm a little like bit biased me. on that. They're just yeah. like me for real, for real, no cap. Just pointing at the screen. <laughs> well, the other, like, Un- unfortunate thing that I still think stands in my general thoughts on like going from Attack of the Clones to Revenge of the Sith is that Attack of the Clones only takes place at the very beginning of the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith is at the tail end of it. So they all that interesting shit, they right? don't explore. That's why we Just were perfect. Put- this movie is the first one. A full Clone Wars movie and then the last one. Yeah. God. Oh. Small detail, but I'm ranting phase right now. Fuck this Destiny bullshit. Yes. Fuck the Metachlorians. Okay? The Metachlorian count's going up, isn't it, Sam? Yes, it is. But if <laughs> it was, it would be one thing if he started with 1, 2, and 3. It would yes. become one thing entirely. Right. But since they... And it's one of the major downfalls of the prequel is the fact that it's a prequel. Yes. So we know everything that's going to happen, essentially. For the most part. Yeah. We know. Guess who's Darth Vader? Oh, well, there's a guy called Anakin Skywalker. Hmm, I think that's the father of someone important. Yeah. You know, that's one of the major problems. Yeah. I mean, it gets to the problem when you start to do Destiny stuff in a prequel because then it undermines everything the characters did in the original because then it's like, oh, it's just fated to happen. Kind of undermines all of their actions. Yeah. But, back to Attack of the Clones, what'd you think about the action? Um... There's actually a lot of it that I was just bored by. A lot of it was actually very boring. I think Attack of the Clones is actually home to one of the worst lightsaber duels I have ever had the displeasure of watching. Count Dooku? Yes. I love the Count Dooku one, though, just because... No, (laughs) Anakin. Okay, well, I mean, it's interesting in the fact that, like, Kind of like Darth Maul, where he had like a unique signature lightsaber a style. So does Count Dooku. Granted, it's still single bladed, but it's like curved, so it's almost like a rapier and stuff. Like yeah, that. it's like fencing. It's interesting, and it does bring like a different flair to the fight. The problem is, is that I don't know what was up with, because obviously, you know, it's mixed for me as to whether I actually like Yoda. Fighting Count Dooku, because, yeah. Yeah. The, the the big reveal that Yoda has a lightsaber and he is capable of fighting... And moving. 
And moving, yes. Uh, I, I find very conflicting. On one hand, sure, it looks cool, but... It's just a little midget jumping. It's just I, I a little midget jumping around. I don't exactly. like lightsaber Yoda, not because of the movie, but because of the Soul Calibur games. He's cheating. He's I can't grab the little shit. Exactly. I like apparently Yoda using a lightsaber was the equivalent of fucking um, Iron Man getting the Infinity Gems. <laughs> Like today, Solved. Yeah. it was like a huge like. Oh, he's got a lightsaber! He's oh, popping off. And would you feel better if they saved it for the last movie? When he if they saved it, yes. It, like the big reveal is like, yeah, no, this little fucker. Because I will say I liked that duel a lot more because it felt more climactic because of the things mm-hmm. that were going on. Yeah. Here it seemed more circumstantial, and and what I was, was getting at is the duel just before Yoda shows up. That is what I believe is one of the worst lightsaber duels ever because I have no idea what was going on when it came to production, but the choreography looks like a bunch of fans who are doing their first lightsaber duel ever. It looks so <clears throat> stiff. It looks so stilted. It looks so uneven and just boring. Yeah, what didn't help is, you know, Christopher Lee is also, like, 90 by this point. Well, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm, not saying, least... I'm not saying there's an excuse. Well, yeah, no, saying... no, 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 I get that, I get that. It's just, Christopher Lee aside, I I don't know. It's just, like, everybody's just, it, again, it looked more like they were tapping their swords and actually, yeah. like, trying to attack each other. Mm-hmm. It, it, it did not have any energy behind it. But, I mean, if if you're listening and want to see the funniest thing ever... Relating to this duel, just look up the Star Wars, um, but Anakin keeps getting electrocuted. Yep. It's so good. I, I do like to imagine Christopher Lee went up to George Lucas and was like, oh yeah, George Lucas, like, yeah, you know, you just gotta, here's what you do during the fight scene. And Christopher Lee just looks at him and like, have you ever killed a man, George? <laughs> because I, I'll I, tell you something, George. You gave me lightning powers. I'm going to use them in this fight. George, Put I'll me tell able you to something. use them. <laughs> I've killed a man. I've killed a man with lightsaber. Something you must understand is that at no point in this fight do I truly feel as though I am killing a man. <laughs> We're tapping swords. <laughs> I think he was so professional he didn't want to say something. Probably. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. He's got a legendary status. Because, I mean, how many sword fights has he done throughout his lifetime and then he gets to do that where he's just, like, waving a sword in front of his face? Um... Where do we touch on now? I mean, well, we've been talking a lot about the action and like individual story things. Let's talk about the one big focus that this has, and that is the romance between God Anakin we and have Padme. To? Yes. We do. Cringe. It is cringe. We, but have we, under, to. we have to explain why, because like so many people, especially the crowd of people that I know. There are fans nowadays of the prequels, and there's always been a group of fans that have enjoyed the prequels for a long time. Yep. But I honestly think that there is also a large group of people that, because they have ingested so many of the memes, it has gaslit themselves into thinking they're good, and they over-intellectualize the films, justifying why the romance in this movie is good is one of those examples because this has got to be one of the worst relationships I have seen in a major franchise 
ever. Yeah. Because it not only portrays Anakin as incredibly immature, incredibly selfish, bratty, but just also very impulsive. It also portrays him as psychotic and murderous. And why Padme still falls for him, I will never understand. It just clicked in my head. Hold on, I have to look up when something came out. It just dawned on me. Uh, Because all the descriptions of why it's so weird... Okay, no, this came out after. But it's uncannily similar to The Notebook. It is. I watch a lot of romance stuff. I love romance as a genre. I hate the notebook. <laughs> I despise the notebook. Weird age gap? That's in the notebook. Um, him threatening to kill himself if she doesn't date him? In the notebook. Him stalking her and showing up at her house when she never told him his address? In the notebook. Oh. <laughs> at that point, it's just fate and destiny. But Just fate and destiny. It's in a weird position oh. where... It feels forced, because it has to be, because like you said, he's psychotic, he's all these things, yeah. and Padme just ignores it, because they have to get together, because they have to make Luke Skywalker. So that, again, it's the, it's the sequels fucking over the prequels in that case. Now, question for you guys, if the, the sequels didn't exist, yes, do you think the romance may be looked upon better, in a way, without the context of they have to get together? Or do you think it would just be the same? I think, I think it's it would even worse. I, it, it's worse. It's okay. worse, in my opinion. I really do think it's worse. Because, again, I've said it. Uh, Anakin comes across as, like, psychotic and selfish and bratty. Which only makes Padme look stupid. Because how she sits there and says, Oh, yeah, I'm still into this guy that said he murdered a bunch of, like, sand people. Including the women and the children. And did so with, like, extreme prejudice. Like, like, well, also, it, she also comes across as stupid because, you know, she's being protected by him, going back to her home planet, going to all these beautiful vistas yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And she's dressing in, like, the most flattering and revealing sort of Don't wardrobe question choices. her Don't... Listen, she she just expresses herself with her wardrobe, right? Fashion icon. Mm-hmm. And yet she still keeps saying... Oh, but you need to stop being so, like, you know, touchy-feely and lovey-dovey. No, you can't. I'm a senator, Anakin, while she's, like, sitting by a, you know, fireplace. Wearing this freaking tight-ass, like, BDSM-looking dress. Which, by the way, that dress, that dress, I just want to point out. We've talked about wardrobe and how it's very good. And I will say, still good in this movie. Yes. However, the difference is... That black dress with, like, the choker and stuff like that in that one scene where she's like, oh, Anakin, we can't be together. I'm a senator. And you're just questioning, why did you put that on then? That's her breakup dress. The interesting thing... Sure. The, the <laughs> interesting thing to point out regarding that dress... Uh-huh. George designed that. Yeah, that makes sense. You yeah. know, that I understand. Mm-hmm. I can see that as I look ominously towards the original trilogy... Yeah. With Leia in her slave outfit. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to do a little hot take. I'm going to say there's one good thing with the romance. What's that? And that is the part where Padme tells Anakin we should save 
Obi-Wan. You know, we should go, we should do something. Mm -hmm. I think that was the one good part because it shows activity. It shows character. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's the one thing that kind of almost you could see helps push him in the dark side a little bit. Yeah. Because, you know, he's been told to stay because you're just going to get a risk. You know, you're risking her life. But she's the one that says, hey, you got to play the hero. You got to do something. And then you get that goofy scene at the droid factory. And then you get that goofy scene at the droid factory. But at least it was something. You know oh, what I man, mean? The George Lucas movie being totally inconsistent. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, look at the Phantom Menace. But so there was that was that was the one good thing I found besides the sand. It gets everywhere. It's coarse. Yeah, that that's that's so bad. It's good. I like it. That that was the one the meme lived up to. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, the meme. It's yeah. I remember the meme. I clapped everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah, but so obviously, worst part definitely romance. I will say, when it gets to the Clone Wars, where the clones come in at the end, yes, and start tearing shit up, and you get that big Geonosian fight, I'm, I was nerding out. I'm like, that is fucking cool. Yep. Yes. Because that's where they put all the good shit. Yes. Is the clones. Makes sense because it's the Clone Wars. Yeah, the actual Battle of Geonosis where they show up and start battling the droids is a genuinely well, you know, structured scene that shows all the warfare. That that it looks like a war, a clone war, which mm-hmm. it lives up to the name. Trademark. Again, a little stupid that it only shows the very beginning and the very end of yeah. sub war. But I mean, for what it is, it's neat. And again, the clones are neat and stuff like that. Um, it's just a lot of the in-between stuff. I This was easily the most boring of the three. It was it was hard to sit through. Yeah. Especially for yeah. all the other At least with The Phantom Menace, it has some things in between that are interesting, but sometimes not for the right reason. Yeah. I mean, if it, even if it makes you uncomfortable, it makes you feel something. Yeah. <laughs> you the, know? the final big point I just want to touch upon is that obviously, like I mentioned before, Attack of the Clones is the first of the prequels to be shot digitally. Mm-hmm. Right? They started using completely digital cameras. And something I want to just pinpoint is that there is a major, major, major production issue that came up because they went with those cameras. Mm hmm. So the cameras at the time were these giant behemoths that looked like something out of Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. <laughs> the lens on the very front of the camera took a half hour to change out. Jesus. Which is why so much of the camera work is very bland and samey and uses the same focal length. And sometimes they use those like digital zoom-in effects that yes. look like they're straight out of a fucking soap opera. Mm-hmm. To where it looks, the fan, Phantom Menace, uh, Attack of the Clones looks like a very expensive soap opera at times. Um, Ewan McGregor uh, did an interview when he was doing some press junkets for Obi-Wan Kenobi, which feels more like it belongs in the prequels as like a next chapter, but you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he opened up and said, that uh, a huge hurdle to the production was that uh, these cameras, they had to be hooked up to these huge generators just to work. Jesus. Like giant umbilical cords basically going to this thing. Mm-hmm. And what they found out is that for a good chunk of the movie, which was shot in a giant room with green screen or blue screen, which was 
50% of it, keep in mind. Yeah. The generators generated a hum that was at the same frequency that human speech is often heard at, which means they couldn't remove it in post. And they had to ADR all of their dialogue because of it. Jesus Christ. All because George insisted that they work with digital cameras and not go with just what they did with The Phantom Menace, which was shoot on film stock. There was plenty of film stock available. There were all kinds of films that were still being shot on film. I mean, the Tobey Maguire trilogy, all of which were shot on that. Just to give you an idea, there were so many movies still doing that. But because of his insistence to be the first director to shoot his film completely in digital, he had to settle for these, like, sure, cutting-edge things of technology, but very limiting because it's brand new. It has flaws to them that hold him back. And the whole production was just hampered by it. And it only enabled his bad habit that came about during The Phantom Menace, which was very lazy directing <laughs> and overseeing in the production. I mean, why they went with that... I, I get it, bragging rights, but... Yeah. I mean, overall... How do, we sum, how do I summarize my feelings about this movie? Oh, let me ask you this. Do you think that Attack of the Clones is worse than Rise of Skywalker? Which, that is another thing that we'll talk about later on, but I'm curious because those two tend to be voted as the most commonly said worst Star Wars. I think... For this, this is me just forgetting semantics for some of the titles. Rise of Skywalker is the second movie in the last sequel one. trilogy. Last one, the last, last one. one. Ugh, that's the one with they fly now. Ugh. <laughs> I, I, I think. Go ahead. I go. was gonna say like, if it was just the second one, I'd be on the fence. But ugh, I, I like I like clones more. Fair enough. Honestly. I, I think, just watch, having watched both of them, just the ending scene with the clone, just something just to look forward to and can help me get through Yeah, the 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 slog that is the first half of the movie, you know? Yeah. Rise of Skywalker, it's like, it starts in, then it can... Mm. There are more scenes... There's nothing to look forward to. Yeah, there, there, there are more scenes that I would be okay re-watching in Attack of the Clones than I ever would in Rise of Skywalker. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Because at least there's some good sequences in Attack of the Clones that had genuine attention to detail and mm -hmm. stuff like that. How much of it was actually George, I have no clue. But, you know, um, I guess one thing to consider about the prequel trilogy is that it's more fascinating with story. Yes. In terms of how it was made. In an idea. In an the, idea. The idea of the story is fascinating the problem with me is that unless the idea is actually explored and explored well it really doesn't mean anything to me because the only thing it makes me wish is god i wish it was done better speaking of being done better revenge of the sith yes yep look it, i'm oh go ahead i was gonna say it's really funny that the last movie in the prequel trilogy is basically just about an old man manipulating a guy Saying, hey, I'll teach you necromancy if you keep me alive. Don't hurt me. Star Wars Episode 3, The Grooming Strikes Back. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, God. Um, look. 
I'll be honest, Return of the Sith, honestly, is the one prequel that actually gets the verge of good. <laughs> yes. And sometimes, by God, even crosses it. Yes. So that beginning scene alone just shoots down the other two movies. Oh, I know. Everything that we've been complaining about uh, in the previous two films, it genuinely feels like the first 20 minutes of the movie is a direct response to that and just polar opposite. Uh, the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan feels so much more genuine. Mm-hmm. The action is like top notch mm-hmm. throughout, you know? Um, it, CG? It, it, CG's the best. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the CG, I mean, at least going from the first two into that one is a lot better. A I, lot I will, better. I will say that the CG is starting to look a little bit more like C-tier MCU stuff, but... The C-tier MCU stuff's better than a lot of other shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and plus, you know, it starts with what we wanted to see in Tech Clones, which is that big, huge-scale fight. Yeah. yeah. It starts with that. Right off the bat. And this is a movie that technically has four villain characters, if you count Anakin. Yes. All, all of them, for the most part, pretty iconic. Yeah. I will say, it, it just kind of makes me realize Count Dooku feels like a nothing Listen, villain a little bit, though. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. I, I will stand to defend Dooku, because he's honestly one of my favorite parts of the prequel. Okay. Hit us up, fam. Because Dooku is introduced as this calm and collected guy who mm-hmm. you can assume just joins Palpatine because it's to ensure his own safety. Mm-hmm. And then he basically is like a Shakespearean like tragedy hero. Yeah. Because he gets to it... Gets killed off only to realize that he's been set up. He's gonna die, so Grievous takes over and gets everyone killed. Mm Because that's what Palpatine wants. Mm -hmm. Palpatine set him up to die. Because he was too competent. Yep. Yeah. Um. God. It is a surprise, going from the first two into that one, because it's better and the writing while still very much it has the george lucas isms it's better and the reason for that is i think that chapter is what george really 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 wanted to get to and now that he's there he's really taking the time yeah Yeah. because for one thing it's alleged that uh, attack the clones only had like one draft (laughs) that explains a lot (laughs) he didn't want to do it he just wanted to get past it yeah, yeah, actually, that's a really good way to put it, Ian. It's like he wanted to rush towards this. Yes. And it Honestly, it kind of pays off in a way. It does. I, I mean, the, the problem with it is that as a trilogy, it feels mm. like it has the vibes of too little, too late, because it's <laughs> yeah. the final chapter. Again, most other people wouldn't have been able to make it to two and three if it wasn't Star Wars with such a bad fucking beginning. Pardon my French. I mean, there were just little things, like uh, how... Obi-Wan, when Anakin invites him to join him for, like, the Senate hearing or whatever, he's like, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not brave enough for politics. Little things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, a, another one that I feel like was a good template for how the clones were portrayed in the Clone Wars was how before Obi-Wan goes to the planet where Grievous is at, he has a short conversation with Cody, and mm-hmm. uh, he says, I leave it up to you, Cody, and Cody's like, oh, but sir... What have I ever let you down? Yeah, small stuff like that. And it's it just really drives home that if it's just started Attack of the Clones and having that midsection 
where the war's going on and we get more sh- stuff with Dooku and maybe actually set up Grievous. Yes. Besides, oh, hey, here's Grievous. <laughs> if... Oh, God, it could have been great. I, oh, I know. I love the prequel villains. Honestly, the mm-hmm. best part of Star Wars to me is just the prequel villains. Because they're, they're, they got style. Yeah. They got style. They're a nice, uh, like, evolving sort of design from, like, how the villains were in the original trilogy for yeah. how many and, there were. I mean... And the prequel villains kind of play off each other very well. They, well, they do. They have this unique style, but still stand in line of, okay, they have these sort of motifs to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like video game musical bosses. motifs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Kind of makes me wish Darth Maul was, you know, around a bit longer. But... He's in the yeah. show. He is. He's done much better. <laughs> in the shows. He actually talks. In the shows. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah. I mean, it, definitely a improvement. Uh, I will say, though, uh, I, I, I didn't want to have too many, like, uh, comparisons to, like, oh, yeah, the, the, the show, you know... Uh, I wish they had that in there and stuff like that, but um, I think we should also mention the uh, the 2D Clone Wars show that was coming out in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, which featured an early version of Grievous, which I, I, I wish that was the Grievous we had in the movies and yeah. onward, because what an actual threat. And just menacing. Menacing. I'll also say a much better voice. <laughs> I love Grievous, though. Yeah, I kind of like Grievous' voice. I will agree it's better in the show, but I think it, the, the, the movie <clears throat> version wasn't bad. No, it wasn't. It's just he seemed much more like what George described him as, which is this intimidating Jedi killer that was also a general of the you know Separatist forces and stuff like that. The issue is that a little bit in the movie as well as in the show later on is that he is really nothing more than just a mustache twirling cowardly villain that constantly runs away. Yeah. Can relate. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, design wise. Fantastic. Oh yeah. A lot of the design in general is really good. I mean, an honest take though is for any sort of shows or, Things. If you want to have the cool villains stay around, you have to have them run away. Otherwise, yeah. they either have the heroes run, which you can't really do every single time. Otherwise, it makes the heroes not seem competent. Yeah, they're, 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 that's true. Or the villain just dies. Yeah. And then that sucks. <laughs> um, R.I.P. Darth Maul. You're right. Yup. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hmm. I mean, general thoughts, obviously best of the trilogy. Yeah. Easily. Yes. Um, Is it great? I wouldn't say so, but I would say that I am okay with rewatching it every so often. Yeah. And it has things that, you know, the other movies don't really do, you know. Um, I guess the only thing is, is that, and I can say this about, you know, Attack of the Clones 2... I just wish it wasn't so heavily reliant on the CG. That's still yeah. a problem. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a George Lucas thing. Like, I'm imagining an alternate reality where the prequels were made more in the same fashion that, at least production-wise, mm-hmm. um, as the sequels, where they are a nice bridge between practical and digital, 
Um, and I was seeing this interesting thing where, you know how in The Phantom Menace, C-3PO, he wasn't a guy in a costume like yeah. the others? He was all wires and stuff. He was a puppet where it had a puppeteer yes. like, attached to him behind him and they got rid of him later on. I'm imagining this wonderful alternate reality where they treated Grievous the same way. And they had a guy behind him, and he's like an actual animatronic, like, puppet thing. Because there's a guy that made a Grievous costume that is exactly like that. And he went to a convention where he can literally control Grievous's arms, legs, his posture and stuff like that. And he can do the whole finger thing. He goes like, yes, yes, very good. Mm-hmm. And he uses his cape to hide him, to hide the illusion that he's a puppet. Mm-hmm. And I find that awesome. Now, obviously, for lightsaber duels, it would still make sense to make them be CG, but, yeah, you know, I mean, missed opportunity in my opinion, but... I think the thing is, the real big thing with these trilogies is George Lucas wanted to wait until the technology could catch up with his ideas. Yes. And he should have waited longer. <laughs> or he should have just understood that, like, he shouldn't entirely rely on... Um, Digital technology. Yeah, well, like, there, can... there, there needs to be a bridge between practical and digital, which I feel the sequels did a pretty good job of. Mm-hmm. But... I will say, though, to go off what you were saying, though, Sam, I'm glad he didn't go full James Cameron and wait ten years until water CGI was developed to yeah. make a sequel. Fair. Okay, uh-huh. was, uh, was that actually the reason? Because I feel like he just did it because, well, might as well make another one. Avatar just is like a tech demo. I'm going to be 100% honest. Mm, it's no, it basically is. just a CGI tech demo. It's to sell PS5s. <laughs> he needs to sell PS5s so that he can do his underwater excursion. Exactly. But um, with Star Wars, um, this one's decent. Yeah. Yeah, which is the decent. best. <laughs> the best you get is For decent. all the people that over-intellectualize the prequels, I would understand where that is coming from if the other two films were on the same level Levels. of quality. Yes. I I think what it is, is you watch them, and you're like, that one's not very good, that one's not very good. You get to this one, and then you just, in post, kind of apply the quality backwards mm, yeah. from the last part to the rest. Yes. Which is the complete opposite of the sequel now, trilogy. The, the sad thing, though, is that, um, in all honesty, I don't know how you guys feel, but uh, one thing that I can at least say about the sequels is that you really can't watch The Last Jedi unless you watch The Force Awakens, or you can't watch Rise of Skywalker unless you have seen the previous two films, because otherwise you have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Same thing applies for the original trilogy. You have to see the previous film to understand everything. Yeah. I'm convinced with how the previous two films were written and what actually happens in them, you don't have to watch the first two films. Everything in Revenge of the Sith, in terms of what is talked about in the original trilogy, everything that you need to see happen, happens in Revenge of the Sith in a way where you don't need to know what happens in the previous two to jump into Revenge of the Sith. I will say, yes, but it's enhanced if you watch Attack of the Clones. Yeah. 
Maybe Attack of the Clones. And we'll, we'll get to you that. Don't have to, you don't have to touch the Phantom Menace. You don't even have to go yeah, near that. We'll get, you go near that if you want the runway. You don't yeah. gotta do anything else. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into more of the general thoughts of the trilogy in just a couple minutes when we talk about our general thoughts about the whole thing. Yeah. In terms of Revenge of the Sith, I mean, honestly, it's, it's kind of weird in the fact that it's the best setup for its own self, in yeah. a way. Because it's, for, you know, Anakin turning to... Darth Vader, it's got the best in terms of that. Like, you don't see it in Phantom Menace. Except yeah. for the, oh, hey, he's showing fear. Yeah, no shit. He's a kid in front of a bunch of adults being judged. I would yeah. be afraid. Now, as an adult. He's showing fear. Give him a blood test. Right? His yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, in the second one, in the second one, he's a whiny bitch. Yeah, and here it feels like he's a completely different character. Yeah. But I'm okay with that because he's... Better. A yeah. war has changed him. His turn yeah. is still kind of stupid and not handled the greatest, but... Mm-hmm. Because one thing that still prevails, unfortunately, is how much... Like, like how many red flags have been dropped regarding Palpatine being the secret Sith Lord controlling oh the Senate. God. Yeah. Um, Anakin still comes across as stupid and gullible, and that's why he fell to the dark side. Like... Sure, there's the other things of like, oh, he's open to the Senate being turned into like a dictatorship. Or, oh, you know, he just wants to force things to be the way that he wants them to, hence why he goes down to the dark side. And, oh, he he wants to protect people like Padme and other things like that. But it's not handled well still. Yeah. That's the problem that I have. And sure, you feel something when he eventually fights Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And I will also say one thing. The performances overall feel better in this Yes, going well. back to what you said, almost the same thing with George Lucas, waiting for this one to really go out. Yeah. It's the same with the actors. Oh, yes. Like, you, I actually felt like they were actually having fun in this one, almost. Especially with the peak. Darth motherfucking Sidious. The we we do have it. to talk about just him. his voice changes in between lines. You could tell he was having a fucking blast. He is a national treasure when it comes to performances in Star Wars. It is Yo. fascinating to me how you can tell he has just been reserving himself for when this movie came about. Mm. Because from start to finish, he is on 11 when it comes to just being the most evil person in the room. And it mm-hmm. is amazing. <laughs> even even with the subtle stuff, he's just better in it. When he's talking to Anakin about that place, the eyes. You know? Even then, it's like, okay, you could actually see him slowly working. Not slowly. But, you know, in comparison to the first two, actually working his little dark little fingers into Anakin's brain and trying to convince him to join the dark side. Is it great? No. Is it better than the first two? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe the first two were bad on purpose, just to make the third one look decent. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I will he... say, with all the red flags and stuff like that, um, I'm surprised that Palpatine wasn't discovered to be the Sith Lord oh like, my God. to begin he, with. He be I, still, I still find that completely stupid, and once again, a reason why the Jedi in particular... I, I don't like how they were portrayed at all in these movies. Because the, the the thing is, is that for a while, I feel like these movies gave a bad interpretation of, like, what the Jedi are about yeah. and stuff like that. Because they don't have, like, the nobility or the compassion that they're said to have. And yes, 
like they have issues. The whole point also of the trilogy was to show that the Jedi had hubris, and they do because they overlooked a lot of things. They mm-hmm. got way too entangled with the war, the Senate, and stuff like that. Yeah, like no doubt, and I understand that, that was the purpose. The issue is that like they're just portrayed like assholes yeah no. i'm surprised especially with yoda because he seems so much more wise no, no, and no. like hold on Ian. yoda has always been don't lie to yourself he's always been the most consistent see because in the original trilogy luke finds yoda yoda tells him no go away starts walking off and then eventually decides to teach him it's like all right but you have to carry me everywhere okay but luke was like in his late teens early 20s so him saying no you're too old to be trained is a little more understandable compared to a eight to nine year old anakin skywalker being told here correction to put here okay luke arrives with a lightsaber having some knowledge of how to use it at this point Okay, but true, that doesn't, like... And already having some Force sensitivities and being able to use it. Plus Yoda's just like, nah, leave, get off my swamp, go away, okay, I'm done well, here. Okay, well, that's also because he can sense a lot of things about him, one of which is that Luke is impatient, which is something that bit him in the ass later in that same movie. So... Uh, <laughs> We have to remember Yoda's also the same character that uses the Force to essentially kill himself and become a Force ghost because he gets so tired of Luke. Well, He's I mean, like, can, I'm done with you. That's not the whole reason, but... <laughs> um, anyway, semantics. We're gonna, we're gonna yeah. be on this forever yeah, so, if we get lost in that. I mean, Revenge of Sith is just the best parts of the prequel. Yes. yes. It just really is. Uh, I, I will say... That in this one, um, the lightsaber choreography action stuff, it still is very overly, like... Flourishing, almost. Flourishing and stuff like that. I I think uh, the one that sticks out is how there's a point where Anakin and Obi-Wan just start spinning their lightsabers in front of each other rather than actually attacking. Mm-hmm, and just yeah. the fucking reaching that I've seen, like, a lot of fans try to explain that, where it's like, oh, they're feeling each other out with the Force, and I'm like, oh, it's are they It's traditional now? Jedi sword fighting when they swing like this. Mm, yeah, the, if, the angle. Important to mention, because you can only see it, and this is a visual gag. It I'm just, doing that hand tilt. Yeah, mm-hmm. it felt like a downgrade from the Darth Maul fight. Like, if the fighting was more consistent with how that was, I would be okay with how the prequel duels are. But I still think that the prequel duels, while cool-looking after a while, they get very samey. Because it's just non-stop flourishing. That's what it is. Yeah. And I don't like that. Like, here's my my least favorite part with it, alright? Mm-hmm. Palpatine's entire gimmick, and he taught Dooku it, is yeah. how to shoot lightning. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have all these defensive flourishes, just give Anakin the lightning. Just give him the lightning, because then you have to have Obi-Wan keep doing these defensive flourishes. I mean, if you're worried about his metal hands, because, oh yeah, we forgot to mention, Anakin loses his hand just like Luke. Um, you could Thematic. have him shoot it out of his other hand. Doesn't have yeah. to be his metal one. You can shoot it out of his ass. It could even care. be him charging the metal hand and trying to like grab. Like there's a lot of ways you can do it. Mm-hmm. And if you play with it, it yes. needs the defensive flourish. I think that 
that does bring up one thing that I wish that the duels had, just more creativity. Like, it seems very samey. Yeah. And way too overly stylized and choreographed to where I... Sure, them fighting, it, it's emotional because they're supposed to be best friends and they're having to, like, fight one another. But also, not only is it overly choreographed, I think the fight itself goes on way too long. I mean, it's supposed to be the big climatic it, fight. It starts... Yeah, I think it could have been shorter, though. Yeah, if I remember correctly, it doesn't, like, cut away a part of the fight and then it, like, resumes the fight after it comes back. Mm-hmm. Yep. It gives you a oh, break. Oh, they have to, like, fight in this giant gondola. Then they have to start, like, fighting in a hallway. And, like, oh, now they're having to, like, fight holding each other's lightsabers. Oh, now they have to fight on the lava. Oh, now they have to the swing magma towards river, each other. And then they're, like, after going near the magma waterfall, they're, like, now they're on the magma beach. And Hell, yeah. Now Don't he has shit. the high ground. Yeah. It's been yeah, a 20-minute build-up. That's kind of stupid. I have the high ground. Fucking so. <laughs> Force powers, bitch. Oh, and just... Like, also, the other thing, like, how Obi-Wan, in the original trilogy, he's like, ah, yes, and he was a good friend. I thought him leaving Anakin behind to die... On a magma beach. ...was handled much better in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, where he's not fucking burning alive. Yeah. You mean to tell me that you're just that good of a friend that you're gonna leave... This guy that very clearly you still feel bad about having to fight to just die in like one, that. It would be different. It would be different if Anakin did something that got himself hurt rather mm-hmm. than Obi-Wan cutting off his limbs and leaving him to die. Which would be better thematically. Yes. If Anakin did something that cut him off from Obi-Wan where Obi-Wan couldn't save him even if he wanted to, yeah. that would have made more sense. But no, Obi-Wan had a option of pulling him away from the lava, mm-hmm. but he didn't. And that is dumb to You know me. what makes this even that funnier? Is stupid. You know what's the perfect tool that would keep Obi-Wan from helping Anakin? Darth Sidious. Force lightning. Force lightning. Or droid coming in, Darth Sidious coming in, what? anything. But yet, as you said, force lightning. He's literally forcing Obi-Wan away. Saying, I don't want your help. You know, stuff like that. It's just, I don't know, it seems out of character almost. And kind of stupid. Yeah, yeah. it is. Actually, pretty, pretty I mean, fucking stupid. stupid is in character for Anakin, don't lie. But, well, like... Not for, not for, not for Obi-Wan. Yeah. Also, how do we... How do we, uh... How do we feel about the extension of Order 66 involving Anakin killing the children? I mean, it's, it's, it's him to like, oh yeah, he's a bad guy now. How do you make someone look like a bad guy? Killing kids. That's a really good way to do it. Not a lot of good people kill kids. It has but this possibly is like, the funniest delivery. That's, yeah. I, I guess. It is, it is unironically, like, it's unintentionally funny. It is. Because mm-hmm. it's like portraying this dark, serious moment. And then it's like, we're surrounded. <laughs> <laughs> Master Skywalker, there's too many of them. What are we going to do? Hey, kid, do you think we can go for another take? No, I have to get off set or else you're going to be illegally having me work. And then he doesn't even, like, say anything to the kid. He just... Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just... I I find it way too much of a shift for, like, just a few minutes ago. He's over at the Senate building and he's like... 
What have I done? He's getting And then now he's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to kill some kids now. He's sure getting thing. flashbacks of that time he was uh, attacking the, uh, oh, what do you call them? The Tusken Raiders. Oh, yeah, because when I look at a kid saying, what are we going to do? I immediately have PTSD flashbacks to fucking Tusken Raiders. Well, yeah, he because they're kids. one and the same. He killed their kids, though, yeah. That's true. He's already but, done it before. He can do it again. Okay. I, mean, I guess. I don't... So, prequels in general. Yes, we, we need to get on to that. Yes. First opinion. off, do we recommend that people even watch all of the prequels? That's, that's what we're going to get to right now. Yes. Honestly, skip Phantom Menace. Yes. You don't need to see it. Watch Le- clips of it. All you need is the memes. Done. Phantom Menace. Yeah. Attack of the Clones. Some good parts in there. Yep, look up those parts. I would say for both of those movies, just watch clips. Watch the pod race, watch the Darth Maul duel, watch Obi-Wan get flung around by Jango Fett, watch, you know, the Geonosis arena stuff, Mm -hmm. which, I don't know about you, I saw that, and some of, like, the bits were, like, Obi-Wan stabbing that one alien guy, I was just laughing, I'm like, this is so goofy. Yeah, it's (laughs) so, it's such this weird tonal shift, it's so funny. Um... But, I think, yeah, no, like, you can watch clips of the first ones. I recommend watching them if you want to know how not to do a movie. Mm-hmm. I would say watch them if you want to call people's bluff that the prequels are better than the sequels. Yes. Yeah. If you want to actually be like, okay, bet, do that. With some drinks. With some drinks, yes, mm-hmm. because that's like, the only way you can make it through. I could two. see you arguing about fighting the Phantom Menace versus, you know, like the second or third movie in the sequels, and you're like, okay, yeah, no, I can see this part here. But you can't claim that the Phantom Menace is better than The Force Awakens. It really isn't. No. Yeah, so it's so much worse. Overall, recommend Revenge of the Sith. It's the only one I can fully recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Just, at least for it being the best out of the trilogy, slash Darth Sidious. Yeah. <laughs> and some genuinely decent acting at the end. Oh, and also, I, I think what would be a good idea is that if you do want to invest some time in the Clone Wars era of Star Wars, watch the shows. Yeah, just watch the Watch shows. the 2D show, especially. Revenge of the Sith and the shows. That's the yeah. trilogy, baby. Yeah. Um, but guys. Guys. How yes. does it compare... To the sequels. That is the question. How does it compare to the sequels? <laughs> does it compare to the sequels? So, I personally, uh, unless we're talking Revenge of the Sith, um, nothing no. even comes close? N- no. So, no. for the sequels, for me, I am more than happy to rewatch A Force Awakens. I like A Force Awakens. I like, I like it, too. I like it. I love the scene with the snow fight. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I like a lot of the cinematography in it, but there's little parts here and there they don't like. I will not rewatch the last two movies in the sequels because it ruins everything I liked about the first part. Yeah. I have the opposite problem for the prequels. <laughs> I don't want to rewatch the first two movies, but I'm more than happy to rewatch the third. Mm-hmm. Well, I, to me, that works out because Revenge of the Sith feels like a decent movie in a vacuum and has everything you need that shows, you know, 
all of the important things that lead up to the original trilogy. I, I mean, Obi-Wan and Anakin have a falling out. Anakin turns to the dark side and becomes Darth Vader. You know, Padme dies, but still gives birth to twins because she lost the will to live. Yeah, no, that's fucking stupid. But I guess the, the, the part that links them together is both sequel, tri- the trilogy and the prequels have the problem of being connected to 4, 5, and 6. Yes. Because for the prequels, it's because they have to explain 4, 5, and 6. The, for the sequels, though, it's because the directors want... Uh, how do I just put this? It's like they're, they're obliged and tied to the OG trilogy, and they almost, like, when they get nervous, they have to remind everyone. Like, yes. the first one of the sequels... Is kind of on its own. It doesn't really reach back. And then you hit the next one. It's like, yep, no, we're only focusing on Luke. It's all about Luke. Luke all the time. You guys remember Let's Luke go. Skywalker, right? Mark Hamill. Yeah. Joker. You guys like him. You Here he is. Please love us. Han Solo. Han Solo. Well, they, well, they I mean, asked him in the first one. I know. That, that, that's the big thing. The prequel and sequel trilogy both have very uh, crippling issues with both of them. The difference is one comes from entirely one man, and therefore a lot of the blame <laughs> can be directed back to him. But you can also still say, oh yeah, well they're, you know, more original, and to which I say, well, yes, but original it can also be shit. argued that because there weren't as many people going like, um, hey, George, uh, maybe reel that back? How about we try this instead, like with the original trilogy? He had a lot more people involved when he made yeah. the original trilogy that offered alternative ideas or just wrote the movies. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, he had an idea of what he wanted to do from beginning, middle, to end. And that's evident even in the prequels. The problem is, is that he is not a good writer. Yeah. He knows what he wants the story to be, but telling the story is where he falls flat. Whereas the sequel trilogy is different because... What is evident is that when it tries to tell its own story, it has issues and fans disown it and say, hashtag not my Star Wars. And when it continues, it doesn't want to tell its own story and it is afraid to. Yeah, like the stuff that it does that's on its own for the sequels are the parts I kind of do like. Like I really liked the stuff with Finn. Yeah, honestly. Which I wish they really went into more. I know I'm in the minority, but I still think that The Last Jedi is one of the better, like, modern Star Wars movies, if we're not talking connections. You know, connections, and if we're not talking Revenge of the Sith, because that's the only other one I can think of. At least ones that actually try to, like, evolve past the original trilogy, because, again... A lot of people, they say, oh, yeah, The Last Jedi, it introduced a bunch of stuff that goes against canon. First off, looking back even at that canon, I don't agree. And <laughs> if, you're, if you're going to gatekeep the franchise, if you're going to gatekeep the franchise and say, no, you can't do this, you can't do that, well, then how are we going to try new things? How are we going to, like, expand the franchise's horizons and actually do things that are new because Mm. here's the thing at one point the original trilogy was new yeah you know it came from nowhere Mm -hmm. the empire strikes back 
was new, very new, new in how it was written. It was not just a light rehash of the events of the first movie like all other sequels at the time. And then Return of the Jedi was a fantastic conclusion. It had some George Lucas-isms and stuff like that that would creep up in later things, but it was still solid. And, like, the books, the books had really outlandish things that were being introduced into canon, but people were like, uh, that's weird, but okay. Listen, the Death Trooper stuff with the zombie plague is my favorite part. Honestly, also, it's let's, weird, but I love it. Let's also not forget that the books and the comics did do the idea of Palpatine coming back. Yeah. So it's not did. like that idea was blasphemy only with Rise of Skywalker. However, I will say... They did make that non-canon before doing it. Uh, yes, they, they made, made it, it non-canon to make it canon. The problem is, is that when they made it canon, it was not done as well. <laughs> because there was an actual plan with uh, when they were like, hey, what if we make the Emperor come back? It actually seemed like it was an extension of the films. Okay. Now, granted, obviously Hold they didn't on. plan it with the films. Hold on. But... Ian, you've just... It's dawned upon me. Yeah. So, the comparison between them... So, the prequel trilogy is just George Lucas getting bored trying to slowly build up to the movie he really wants to do. So you have to wait through two movies to get to it. Yeah. The sequel is someone makes a movie and then someone else comes over and goes, no, that's not how you do this. This is how the sequel's going to go. Oh, yes, Takes down yes. the sandcastle and builds their Without own. Without any doubt in my mind, yes, that is exactly you had great foundations. Kick down those good foundations. Yes. Um, but... Hey, I mean, in the same way that George maybe could have been reeled back on what he was, you know, putting down for those movies, Ryan Johnson maybe in areas could have used that too. Yeah. I still will say that, to me, how the movie was made, I think The Last Jedi is, say, better than Attack of the Clones or The Phantom Menace. However, it still is bloated. It still has its issues... I just think between the two, Ryan Johnson made the better movie. Yeah, it's almost when like it came to like story and and being a middle chapter. I mean, that's where it kind of has problems. Yeah. But George Lucas, George Lucas needed to be ripped away while JJ uh, and the other had to be like well, pushed towards. Well, I, I I wouldn't really say ripped away. Okay, yeah, say I wouldn't no say to. ripped away. <laughs> he he still should very much have a lot of involvement. It's just I he needs I to be rated. really wish that Steven Spielberg took up. George's offer to at least do one of the movies. Oh my god, that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. I, there is no one better that I can think of, aside from like maybe Ron Howard, which he ended up doing solo later on. Granted, he was a replacement director, but... Um, yeah, and that shows. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I feel like Steven Spielberg would have done a good job. He would have had a really good attention to detail. His style would have meshed really well with George. They've collaborated before with Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I think uh, the prequel and sequel trilogy, in terms of which one I prefer, <sighs> I would say the sequel trilogy I enjoy a bigger chunk of. Because again, I'm in the minority that I'm down with watching The Last Jedi anytime. Because I like The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. I think it is the most innovative. I think it's the most interesting of the yeah. newer Star Wars films. Um, 
do I think it's bloated and it could have been slimmed down? Absolutely. Yeah. But that also comes down to the same problem with the prequel trilogy, and it's the fact that the director working on that maybe got too much freedom. I'm glad that he did because he made a very nice film, in my opinion. Yeah. That actually felt like it was continuing and like going beyond what the original trilogy did. Evolving. Evolving. I mean, evolving could be arguably a little pretentious, but anywho. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think the sequels are better. They're better made movies. Yeah. They're better shot. They're better acted. They're better written for the most part. Like, the actual dialogue is a little bit more natural when it's not, they fly now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they fly now. But, I mean, overall, to you guys, what what do you prefer between the two? I see you yeah. thinking hard there, Sam. Yeah, I'm thinking. That's dangerous. Yeah, because for me at least, I definitely agree with you on the sequels, that they're good mm-hmm. for parts of them. But, like, I have an inherent bias against them. Not for anything in the movies. Not for any of the content, not for any of the actors. But because I saw every single one of them when they came out in theaters mm-hmm. with an ex-girlfriend. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think overall I think I prefer the the prequels, at least for Revenge of the Sith. You you would say Revenge of the Sith is is so good that it makes up for like the other. At least it added decent. Well, okay, that's yeah, yeah. You know, it got better as it went on. The prequels have the benefit of being more consistent with their quality and actually having like a beginning, middle, and end. The issue is that it's very meandering in the prequels to where I will once again say at least you have to watch previous entries in the sequel trilogy in order to actually get to the final chapter. Because frankly, just going to say it, you don't have to watch Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones. In fact, they are inconsequential. What you do need to watch because of how good it is and how it actually takes the foundation of the prequels... A lot, like a lot more seriously and does it well is the Clone Wars shows, both of them. Mm-hmm. They are fantastic. Uh, my only complaint is that the voice actor for Anakin sounds way too different from him, and it is very confusing. Yeah, he often sounds like this in the show, whereas Anakin was always much more like this, where he had a slight inflection to his voice. Mm-hmm. It always sounded like he was reciting Shakespeare within a theater. Yeah, uh, I guess that's Shakespeare in the background, but... Yeah. I mean, the, thing, uh, the prequels had their charm. Regisith was pretty good. I think you actually get a lot better time out of watching Revenge of the Sith and the entirety of the Obi-Wan show. Which, granted, the Obi-Wan show, it kind of has the same problems as uh, the sequel trilogy. It's a little too safe. It's a little, a little too under-budget. Like, yeah, it, right. it, it is very low on the budget for something that it should be, and some of the directing is very, like, fan film All right, Ian, I have optimal Star Wars movie watching series now, right? What's that? So, you do Revenge of the Sith, uh, mm-hmm. Rogue One, then go into Episode Four. There you go. That's the prequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, but overall... In terms of recommendations, it, I'm just summarizing everything here. Clips of the first two. Yeah. Dare you know, Clips, and then Revenge of the Sith, 
is pretty decent. Yes. And, and it's got a little bit of a charm to it, and I, I would say it's good enough to recommend. Yeah. Although, yeah. Otherwise, it's and just... the neat thing about the shows is that you don't even have to watch the entirety of the show mm-hmm. either. Because you could just watch maybe a season or two, and you can get an idea of what the Clone Wars were like. Obviously, you should watch the rest of it because, you know, it's good storytelling and good episodes and stuff like that. But, you know, it, it's digestible. Mm-hmm. And, say what you will about you know, between the prequels and sequels, prequels are a better meme reservoir. They are. Mm-hmm. They Such are. classics as sand. Yeah. Gets everywhere. To... Let's, this is pod racing. Yeah. I mean, just, just bangers. <laughs> so, the next question I want to ask, before we get to the question regarding George's involvement with, I guess, the franchise in general, mm-hmm. um, how do you guys feel about the, uh, well, I, I'd say recent, but it happened right around when Disney took over and started putting out the new movies. Uh, how do you guys feel about the resurgence in prequel love, and do you think that the praise that they now get on, like, a monthly basis is worth it. Eh, probably not. Hot but take is no. Yeah. Definitely not. It's just counterculture. But I, I can yeah. understand. You know, but it doesn't mean I, I am with it. You know, like... I, Revenge of the Sith, yes, is understandable. It's just, as a whole, no. Yeah. I, I don't think... The prequels are peak Star Wars. Peak Star Wars with the original trilogy and everything that came out after the prequels, the shows. I even think, yes, the sequels are better Star Wars than the prequels. Spin-off movies. Spin-off movies. I mean, the current shows. The Mandalorian! I mean, that shit is Still feels a little under-budgeted, in my opinion. Uh... I mean, I get it yes. though. It's a show, and I mean, also it's, it's, it's recently, a TV show. I did finish the most recent season, and it felt very safe. But hopefully, that doesn't become the trend because the first two seasons of Mandalorian have been a fantastic continuation of the galaxy far, far away. I would agree. Yes. Um, in terms of George Lucas involvement, I mean, I think we, I mean, we talked a lot about George Lucas because you kind of have to. Yes. And I, I think we we summarized. I mean. You go ahead. This is you're you're the film guy here. Well, I mean, it goes Put just it beyond how movies are made. I'm talking more just like how much involvement do you think you know George should have? Because I mean, it, it can be argued that George sold off the rights to Star Wars because he felt that it could only continue if it growed beyond him. I think that makes sense. in In terms of my my quick little summary of how I feel. George Lucas should be involved. I think he was great as the creative guy. Yes. Coming up with the ideas and the sets and stuff like that. And I think if he just set, you know, different people to actually write and all that stuff and just vibe check him. Oh, yeah. I think that's the perfect combo. Like the original trilogy. where he, he, Yeah. When he's, he, when, when he's in more of a producing sort of role, which is basically the guy that just oversees everything that needs to get the movie made, mm-hmm. getting the right people, making sure things are done in a certain way and stuff like that, and then you leave the actual film making to the director, I mean, I, I think that's where he's at his best because he mm-hmm. knows what he wants. It's just he's not the one to make it happen. He just oversees 
that it does happen and it's being done by other people. Yeah. He's the he's gonna set up now as goes the execution. I think maybe it would benefit if he still stuck around at Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. I mean obviously for a consistent vision. I would say so. Mm-hmm. I would say so, because I will agree with one thing, that things feel different without him being around, because it seems like Lucasfilm, the current Lucasfilm, um, it's constantly changing its mind as to what it wants. Mm-hmm. It's an indecisive little kid that can't decide what flavor ice cream, and you end up being at the ice cream parlor like a whole half hour longer than you should have been. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about the same people. The talking about the same clip. people. But I don't like pistachio. <laughs> then why did you ask for it? <laughs> We're in the soup aisle. Uh, and then the ice cream just has the Last Jedi poster over it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I mean, I I think. Yes, something's missing without him. But at the same time, I think it's good that he's not as involved as he was with the prequels because he just... There's a lot of things that he's over-reliant on and there's a lot of things that he just does not pay much attention to because Mm -hmm. after the original trilogy, when it came to anything involving George, he just was... Not a good storyteller, frankly, yeah. to me anyway. He knew how it would begin and end, but telling the actual story, like point A to point B, not very good. Mm-hmm. Better save um, for someone else. I mean, just the stories of like even video game studios like having to interact with him. There was supposed to be a Darth Maul game where it was going to take place in between, uh, well, actually before The Phantom Menace, I believe. Mm-hmm. And George was just putting on all of these, like, very strange, like, restrictions and things of, like, oh, hey, make this happen. Have this happen. Like, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, like, one of the, like, secret lightsabers called the Darksaber, which was, like, in the Clone Wars and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and it has become such a huge staple of Mandalorians because there's only one Darksaber. Yep. If you have the Darksaber, you rule Mandalore. Um, there was a point where, like, he was just saying, oh, yeah, what if all Mandalorians just had Darksabers? <laughs> It's just like, well, that defeats the purpose of the one, unless your plan is to, like, you know, only have that one be the remaining one. I I don't know, because it seemed like for thousands of years, there was only one Darksaber, you know? Um, There was also a plan of, like, um, there was this Expanded Universe character named Darth Talon, who was a character that shows up like, 30 to 40 years after the original trilogy, there were, like, all these comics and stuff like that, and he saw artwork of her, which, once again, George and his, uh, Twi'leks. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I, I just looked it up. Especially half-naked Twi'leks. Yeah. Especially half-naked Twi'leks well, that use... the class. Well, yeah, To know what to avoid. In the video version, we'll have a image pop up, just to give people an idea... <laughs> Yeah, but a um a a a uh yeah, twi- no a half naked twilight that uses God the dark bless. side to well no no she uses her 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 looks to tempt people to the dark side um, presumably with sex yeah no shit huh? um George yeah no he's like lie. oh hey have have her have her hook up with Darth Maul and have her be his like accomplice so they yeah. can be like Bonnie and Clyde but overall. Revenge of the Sith saves it barely for recommendation. Yes. Barely. 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 
to the point where you should only watch Revenge of the Sith. Passing grade C minus. Uh, somebody even say D's get degrees. Okay. <laughs> but hey, at least there's some entertainment value out of it. Even if you're just watching to cringe. If you love cringing, the first two are great. Yeah. But I think it's time for us to move on. What do you guys recommend next? Alright, so, last movie recommendation I put was The Banshees of uh, Inisherin. The Banshees the of The hell is that? It is a smaller movie that is about two best friends who suddenly, one of them just goes, I'm not friends with you anymore, go away, I'm not talking to you. This is going to be sad, isn't it? This is going to be sad and emotional. This is going to make me sad. Just say it. It's an Irish film. It's going to be sad and have alcohol in it. Yes. God... But actually, Damn the cool it. thing is, we're getting into this movie. All of the costumes in this were made locally. Oh. They got one older guy just from a village just make all their costumes. Oh, that's really cool. Neat. But this is going to be sad. It is going to probably be sad. Hey, that's been our inciting moment in a galaxy that's actually pretty damn close. Yeah, and I don't know about you guys. I really like the dynamic of our little group session here. So we'll probably. So long as it comes across all right in post, which. Knowing my skills. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll likely make this be a recurring thing for our mega sessions. Cause okay. yeah, Sounds like good it. to me. Yeah. yeah. I definitely like it. Well, anyway, until then, ladies and gentlemen, stay classy and take care. Bye bye And watch our shows. Do it. Do, Do it, it now. Do it now.